Welcome to the Bread and Cup podcast hosted by Corey and Shauna Burris. They are a former pastor, a college teacher, and Pacific Northwest coffee lovers. Mostly, they are Jesus followers who find themselves in lots of interesting conversations with non-Christians, former Christians, wondering Christians, and young adults from all kinds of backgrounds. And we want to invite you into those conversations. The Bread and Cup podcast is a place for real talk about the Bible, life, and what it takes to move beyond the easy answers. So let's grab a cup and join the conversation. Welcome to the Bread and Cup podcast. I'm Shauna. And I'm Corey. And today in our cup is this wonderful French bread that Shauna made. You You put bread in your cup? Oh. Yeah, sometimes I do. Sweet. Well, what's in our bread cup plate thing (laughs) is French bread. It is. It's a new recipe. It's very good. Very tasty. Nice and fluffy. Yeah. Not too shabby for a first try. Exactly. It's not crispy enough on the outside, so we're going to have to keep practicing this one. And then in our cup is a um, cinnamon tea. It's called cranberry tea. My mom sent us the recipe, and it's something that I have. When we were first married. This is a tradition now. It's something I have every year around Christmas time. And when we start going into the holidays, this is one of my big ones. So Cranberry tea. It has red hots and like dried limpted iced tea. And don't, don't oh. sell the recipe. Oh, sorry, sorry. And love and I'm magic. Sure there's nowhere on the internet you could find it. <laughs> and love and magic, as only we can get from the Corey House. Yes. Yes. Apologies. Thanks. Thanks for preventing. So we're actually today we're we're going to talk a little bit about family and what family looks like. So when you and I um, got married, we blended. Uh, we blended two sort of family backgrounds, family traditions, and ours were um, fairly different, I would say. Uh, oh, My you're actually full. eating the bread. So I'm just going to keep talking. Uh, so some friends of ours uh, sent us an article uh, a week or so ago, um, a story by David Brooks um, in The Atlantic, uh, talking about the um, sort of the struggle with the idea of a nuclear family. And so the article title is Verging on Clickbaity. It's The Nuclear Family Was a Mistake. Uh, and we will link this in the show notes in case you want to read the source article. But a friend of ours sent this to us and just said, hey, what do you think of this? And their family background is a mix of Midwest and then a mix of Islander. And so there, uh, there is within their family a, a sort of a rich tradition of um, Ohana being family is cousin and auntie and uncle and all these things that go way beyond the nuclear family. And so while we here at Bread and Cup have definitely talked about the idea of Christian community and what it looks like to um, be the family of God, our friend said, hey, can you talk about this? Like if God built the nuclear family, uh, what was the conception of the nuclear family versus like the family of God and those broader concepts? So that's what we're going to talk about today. Yeah. And um, so, again, we, we, we value family at a very high level. Yeah. And I think the definition of what that looks like and how we promote it is different sometimes now than what, what traditionally people have thought. Like, what, what is important about family that makes that, you know— that makes this important. And the reason I say all this is because in my job itself, I have, um, we talk a lot about family yeah, and the importance of family. As yeah. a matter of fact, my organization that I worked for before, they used to be um, a f- called the, the family council. Mm. And so um, they, 
So all they did was family development. Yep. All they did was how do we help family? Yep. And they've had to, in the last couple of decades, not not change the importance of family, but ask what value does family bring? Yeah. That Because we know family is important to people's sure. lives. We know that family is something that the Bible talks about. It's something that we, we value yeah. in many, many but ways. But even sociological and public health studies confirm the importance yeah. of um, community network and the detriment that happens to people when there are negative external influence, right. like familial, like certainly within the house, right? In, right. in home trauma is, is a profound trauma, but it extends into sort of what we would consider the extended family network. Right. Mm -hmm. right. And so, um, and so now we, we talk about like, how does this impact people's lives? And then we had to kind of stop and step back and go, well, what makes family family? Yep. Like what makes it that that brings value to people's lives because the fact of the matter is, is there's a lot of people that just don't have access to family. Yeah, and certainly not nuclear family in the sort of yeah. 1950s, you know, mom is home with the cute outfit and the apron and cooking the food and dad goes and works and then comes home and they have 2.5 kids and a dog. And, um, you know, that idea of the nuclear family as a mom and dad and then a, a, you know, a set number of kids, two to three kids. Um, that's sort of been set up as the American ideal. And uh, the article, to point back to sort of right. the source of this discussion, because of course things now, discussions happen differently than they used to. So sharing an article and then texting about it, uh, that was sort of the source of, because we're starting to feel isolated, and here where we live, um, there's been now new lockdown measures. If you're listening, we're recording this in November of 2020. And so there's this idea of like, well, stay home with your family. Well, what does that mean? Because yeah. in our household, it literally does mean a mom and a dad and three biological kids. But that's actually a pretty strange construction of a family now. Right. And when we hold on to the concept that that is the quote unquote valid form of family, we're really missing something. And that's what the article asserts. Yeah. And I think it's an interesting take on I think that what the what the article is doing is being overly provocative mm -hmm. um, and saying something kind of outlandish, like we shouldn't be even care about family. Yeah. But like it kind of says, you know, we've been talking about a nuclear family and it doesn't matter. But what they're actually saying is the nuclear family is incredibly important but what what defines being a nuclear nuclear family is more important than the definition of what a nuclear family is if that makes sense yeah and it i mean it goes beyond that if you like science at all you know that the nucleus is the center but but cells are not comprised of only the center like right. they, they they live and function and grow and thrive because of the things associated outside of the center. And I think that is really the core argument that's being made, that when we as um, a society prioritize the center as the end-all be-all, the only place worth investing, right. the only place worth vulnerability, the only place where, where we as humans can draw love and value, uh, we're really... We're really missing out. And I think, you know. But but to counter that, I would say that 
if you don't have a strong center, you also can have, you, you can still succeed. Sure. But the stronger your center is, the more likely you are to, to have the foundational things you need to build the things around it. If that makes sense, right? Yeah, like, a- yeah, absolutely. I mean, certainly being emotionally healthy and being in emotionally healthy relationships, having people close to you that that you trust and that trust you and that you invest and um, champion and call each other out really matters. Right. It, that is what discipleship is, right? right? It's having Jesus had those 12 that were right next to him all the time and they shared all their, we say to our kids, bring your ugly home. Right when you go out into the big wide world, that's where you need to you know display the fruits of the spirit. That's where self control needs to be the most evident. When you get inside these walls, this is where you, it's okay. You know, bring your ugly home if you need to be mad or sad or fall apart. Here's the space to do it. And I think that's to me that's what constitutes a nuclear family in a lot of ways, or mm. what the value of a nuclear family is, sure. is like you're saying is, and, and it's not true of everyone. There's people that have a nuclear family that don't have this, which is a right. problem. That's a different right. discussion, right? But um, but what, it, what, what a nuclear family brings is stability mm. and a sense of belonging and purpose and, and, and part of something outside of themselves. If you know what I mean? Like in terms of like, I come, you know, we always say to our kids, you're a Burris. Burrises don't do that. Burrises don't act that way. That's not a Burris word if they're swearing, you know, and, uh, or if we see somebody else swearing, well, we don't say that. That's not a Burris word. Yep. Right. And so that gives them a sense of this idea that, oh, like I'm part of this. Like this is, this is my community. And so- so the problem is, is you're right, like not everybody has access to that, but how do we create a world and how do we create environments and put people around them that strengthen the nucleus of, of, of uh, with the elements of a family when there isn't truly a nuclear family there? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I mean, well, one, the Bible is really clear. Being married and procreating isn't a mandate for a good life. Right. Now- in Genesis, the the mandate was, you know, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make him, you know, I, I will make him a counterpoint. They will rule. They will reign. They will, you know, fill the earth. And that's awesome. Yay, fill the earth, right? But it's pretty full now. It is a little full. Y'all can calm down. I mean, we had three, so we overshot. Right. Replicating ourselves. Apologies um, to the earth. Uh but there's also sort of the strong evidence through through the New Testament of, of marriage isn't the end-all, be-all. And the nuclear family, in the way that the um, sort of Western cultural tradition talks about it, isn't actually the be- end-all, be-all. That, that family um, and that the vulnerability and the authenticity and the communal reliance, that's what matters. Right. And so it, it needs to matter within this home because we have gotten married and because we did that in what we be- believed was under the banner of sort of a covenant marriage, right? That we're not just responsible to each other, we're responsible to God for each other. Right. Um, and so we think that that sh- it puts a different spin on how we approach marriage. 
But we also believe that family goes way beyond the five people that live in this house. Yeah. And that and, are, that's, and that's true. I mean, you see that like we live close to your brother and sister-in-law and yeah, their yeah. kids. Yeah. Um, your other brother used to live really close to us. Your parents live close to yeah. us. Um, we value when my family can come and visit. Um, I yeah. talked to my brother just the other day and I was, he said, I so just miss that we can't see you. And I, the yeah. kids even said to me, I'm, you know, like, oh, we just want to see them and all of yeah. this stuff. And like, because again, there is this underlying, like we're connected in this weird yeah. way. Um, and, and it's, if you really think about it, it's kind of a dumb reason, right? Like blood and like <laughs> some people making some choices, you know, to marry somebody or to have kids with somebody, you yeah. know, like that defined everything. And so yeah. because of that, now we're forever bonded together. But, yeah. but, but that bond exists, yeah. right? And I think actually that's why the Bible, um, I think that's one of the things that, to me, makes the biblical use of we are the family of God yeah. really helpful because churches tend to be self-selecting, at least in the church tradition we're in, churches are fairly self-selecting. So like we move to a new town and you find the church where you feel you fit. Right. And and in you might feel you fit in that church because the people look like you or they're in the same socioeconomic standing as you or because um we like the same type of worship music or whatever it is but but there is some homogenous element to it. Typically that has nothing to do with Jesus. Mm. Right? We pick the church oftentimes based on cultural or again socioeconomic reasons. And when we do that we're choosing people that are like us, that are comfortable for us. It's like picking friends. And that's fantastic. I love our friends, right? I want friends that I have things in common with, at least enough things in common with. Right. But our family, we don't necessarily have things in common with until we develop those things. Like mm. what we have in common are poor children who are three very different humans. Like they yeah. are... You would not pick any one of them out to be the other sibling. They are very different humans who came from the same DNA packet. They would not select to be in each other's world. But they have now had so many shared experiences based on a common affection. I believe that common affection is for you and I, although we'll see. But that bonds them in a unique way. And that's what I think the church is meant to be, yeah. is not necessarily that we get to go and pick people that are like us, that we would like to be friends with anyway. Yeah. And certainly there will be people like that. But that ideally we, we are in that place because of a shared affection for Christ or a shared interest in following Christ or wherever you are in that proximity, it's a shared... Um, it's a shared affection yeah. for, for this faith, for this personhood of Jesus. And that really, whether or not we're like each other or we even like each other, sort of beside the point. What we keep doing is keep coming together under the same banner. And eventually we have enough experiences in common that we are then bonded the way that our three very different children yeah. 
That's really good. I like that. Yeah. I think that, well, you know, I grew up in a blended house. So I actually got to experience that in a, in a slightly, especially as the oldest. Right. Right. Like I, I got to really watch that happen. Like none of us would have chosen each other. (laughs) And yet, especially my, you know, my younger brother who biologically we're not related is I'm, we are very close as, as close as to any of my blood siblings because of all of our shared common experiences. Yeah. I think that goes back to kind of what you're saying about how we look and view other people that are around us. Right. And I think that oftentimes, and I know I get stuck doing this of like, you go to church or you go to a a, a public thing or you go to do something and you're looking for like people that are like you, you have, well, we have kids about the same age and we have this in common. We have this in common. And those are good things. They're totally, they're great things. But I mean, even we had a small group where we were thrust together, um, by didn't knowing each other. We, We actually went into the room, we sat down. There were eight couples, or no, eight people. One, two, I don't know. Five, there were like five or six couples. I don't remember what it was. I could count right now. Let's overshoot so no one thinks we're freaking Six couples. Six couples it is. Um, So we all sit down and we have one, like you said, one common relationship. The leaders of that group are good friends and they're sitting there and they're sharing their story and we all loved them but we didn't know each other at all yeah, like at, literally like all. i i had maybe seen a few of them around church yep. but never had talked with any of them yep. and so we're sitting there and i have to introduce myself to this perfect stranger sitting next to me and then over the next you know we did with like a, a bible study with them yeah, and we had to weeks. like share a whole bunch of stuff personal stuff about ourselves yeah and now these are close friends of ours yeah and and I think that, like you're saying, when you have that common love for someone, yep. it it binds you together in a very different way. Yeah. And, and I have huge problems with this article overall because it gets yeah. into like some political things and 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 claim some things but but besides that yeah we're not advocating for the article we're just sharing with you how these conversations start and why these conversations matter yeah yeah but i think it's a great conversation starter of of why why do we come together and and then and then it comes back to what is our responsibility as christians if that is the example we're given right Mm -hmm. that our love for the father for the parent yeah should bring us together Yep. Why is it that you treat somebody that's next to you or across the, the pew? Why are you annoyed at every single thing they do? Now, yeah. let me say, our kids get really annoyed, especially the girls get really annoyed at our son. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. He's I mean, a baby he's, brother. He's a baby brother yeah. and he's that age. Yeah. Right? And, and I get it. Yep. But, but they still love him. And they'll yeah. still grow a relationship with him. Yep. They're not going to abandon him. And I I wonder if we can't be better at adapting that mentality as we yeah. bring it into the church. Yeah. I think actually this, um, this goes back to a comment. Um, you pulled it from, was it Tim Keller when we talked about politics, that we should be more, um, yeah. we should have more in common with the, Christian on the other side of the, uh, side of the aisle, aisle yeah. than we should have with somebody who completely shares our political ideology. And then I think I 
teased you about something, how you should have more affection and feel closer to the Christian who's a Raiders fan than to the fellow (laughs) Chiefs fan. Right. Right. Um, But I think that actually, that... that, I recognize that everybody can be perfect, so it's No, it's true. (laughs) But, I mean, some people are closer than others, right? That's true. And they're Chiefs fans. Is that where we're landing? That's all I'm saying. Or in my world, Packer fans. Right. Yes. Okay. We'll let it go. I, I see your face. He's teasing me because I am a pretty trash Packer fan and the fact that I grew up, you know, my my Wisconsin family loves the Packers. Like, really do. So I want them to win. But I'm terrible at watching football. Mostly what I do is read a book. And then Corey yes. will say they won and I'll say, yay, or they lost and I'll be sad. Right? And like sad as in like, oh, that shoot. <laughs> oh, darn. That stinks. My poor, yeah. In any case. Sorry. <laughs> In any case, let's see if I can tie this together. The idea of being a fan of a team, right, is actually that's a great example of what biblical family looks like. It's a shared affection for an entity, right? There are Chiefs and Packers fans, man, there is a broad range. So my mom and I got to go to a Packers fan last fall. Game. Um, Yeah, we got to go to a Packers game. Not a Packers fan. That would be weird. Well, we did hang out with a Packers fan. In any case, each other. Um... We got to go to a game and I will tell you there was diversity might be the wrong word. We're not like talking like it is central Wisconsin, but just there's a lot of different kind of people, lots of different shirtless ones. They're shirted (laughs) people with tank tops. Yes. And those of us who wore jackets (laughs) and, but, but just, I mean, there's old and young and different backgrounds and different ways and reasons that people got to that game. And yet we're all there for the same purpose. And I think that what we lose when, when we as a society, especially when we as a church focus on the, the nuclear family, the individual household, what we miss out on is that we begin to have affection only for ourselves. That that we become a single a single point of light. It's maybe our little kingdom to Jesus, and then back to our little kingdom. But we lose sight of no, no, no. We're actually part of a much bigger story. There there are many, many more people involved in this greater family. And our responsibility extends way beyond the walls of our home, the walls of our apartment or the walls of our whatever. And it extends to everyone else um, who has that same shared affection. And when we focus so narrowly on the household, and that's not wrong. Again, marriages need to be strong. Families need to be strong. We need to support single parents and adoptive parents, all the ways that we become families. We need to support that single structure. But the hyper-focus on that individualism, uh, we, we really lose something. We lose something in, in developing relationships with people we have nothing else in common with but Jesus. Yeah. But I also think that there's a bit of a both and situation because if you don't strengthen the nucleus and I'll, I'll relate it to the three examples we've given, right? Like, so if our friends who we were in the small group with, mm-hmm. if they were to move away or they were to, um, or they were yep. to, uh, push away from the group, yep. 
all of a sudden, and we didn't pull them back in yep. and stay close with them, yep. then those those threads across the other areas would also be hurt by that. Totally. Um, same thing with football. If you stopped liking the Packers, um, maybe you know, maybe your book got really good and you just didn't know anything about the Packers for a couple <laughs> weeks, right? Yeah. And, and and you went to a game and you didn't know who the players were and you didn't know who scored and they're all high-fiving and all of a sudden you are outside of that sphere yeah. of influence. Same thing with our our kids. If they don't maintain a strong relationship with a core of, of um constant contact yep. with someone, then they're going to they're going to fall away. Same thing I think is true within the church. If you don't maintain a strong relationship with Jesus yeah. and with and with the the values and, yeah. and the things that make your the faith what it is yep. and you don't maintain that distance between you and God, then you will naturally pull away from people in in the church and in the family. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think we're making I think we are actually making the same argument yeah. that that the idea is that not that what happens one on one doesn't matter, but that what happens one on one isn't the only thing that matters. Right. And I wasn't to negating what you were saying. I was more no. of talking it in terms of this. Yeah. Well, the article. I think the article is making the argument that um, that family has become so concentrated. The idea of what family right. is has come has become so close and closed. Like it literally just means the people that live in your house, whatever that makeup is that we have that we are losing something and i agree with that argument i do too and i think that that biblically um you know yes it there's the the parents and the children but then there's the aunts and the uncles and there's the you know the tribe and then there's the community around us and the more that we as a society pull into our home and then choose to only connect whether that's digitally or experientially with the people that we self-select, the more we lose. Mm. That that there is so much to be gained by saying, I, I choose to participate in this, maybe the church, because of a shared affection for Christ. Or I choose to participate in my community because I believe in the value of the people around me. Right. Mm. That's the Judita Samaria part of that. Yeah. That I, we don't have a lot in common with our neighbor, despite the fact that we happen to just live next door to each other. But we're learning to make that commonality enough to, in, to see value and then invest in that relationship because of it. Opposed to saying having a relationship with our neighbor doesn't do anything to benefit what happens inside this house. Therefore, it isn't worth. Like you and I are solely responsible for our kids' upbringing and their well-being. And we have never believed that. And thank God for it because we already know we are definitely not everything they need yeah. to grow so what, up They need grandma well. and grandpa. They need their aunts friends. And they need yeah. aunts and uncles. They need this, this network of people that they know love them around them. Yeah. Yeah, I think that um, uh, we really see this in terms of uh, when dealing with kids in like the foster care system, I yeah. think it's a great example where, um, you know, I won't go into the long details of everything that we do, but one of the th things that we have recognized and we are working with is many kids that are in the system know one, know the 
either the foster parents that they are connected with and yep. nobody else. And so yep. they don't have connections. And so they, it's easy to, it's easy to disconnect from that foster yeah. family. Right. And be like, yeah. well, I'm out of here. I'm going I'm yeah. to run away. I'm going to do this. I'm going to go do, I'm going to, I'm going to abandon that situation. Yeah. It's really hard when you're connected to other families that love and care for you yeah. around you, yeah. because there's always, you always know somebody is there looking out for you yeah. and, and trying to make sure that you succeed. Yeah. And I think that, um, I think that if we as humans and, or we as Christians or we as, people that want to do good um, would look a little bit more more at the big picture and say, man, I need to, I need to build out my community around me. And this is from somebody, I'm an introvert, right? Like I would like stay home 99% of the time, but, but actually this COVID situation has made me realize the value of like, yeah, I love that we have like three or four families that we're staying connected with, but man, I need, I need a network of people. I yeah. need I need lots of people around me that encourage me yeah. that that in that are pushing me forward that care about me because of a common love for something. Yeah. You know? So as a little ranty. No, that wasn't ranty. Was I ranty a little bit. Verbally processing. Yeah. That's yeah. Fine. That's good. I think it, this has been so of course that was part of this conversation with our friend who sent the article that um, the, the, the detrimental aspects of sort of a hyper-focus on the nuclear family, uh, were present, but we weren't necessarily aware of them Mm. until we all had to be in lockdown because for families like theirs and ours, um, where there was already a network where there was already strength and, you know, relative health. Um, or resources for supporting health right. when that went awry. That for that for those who are not living that way, and they really only just had whatever was in their home, um, we're we're seeing the strain of that. Yeah, and that we aren't meant to live alone like that. And that doesn't mean we're not meant to have an apartment to ourselves. That can be a beautiful thing. And there are some days I really envy people who have an apartment all to their self. Um, but on the flip side that we aren't meant to live lives solitary yeah, and solitarily. Ooh, I don't know how I'm saying that today. Uh, that, that we are meant to be in, in that broader community and that we are meant most importantly, and this is where I think I want to come back to, I don't know where we're at on time, but what I want to really anchor back to from my perspective is that that we are entrusting relationship with people that we have nothing in common with but Jesus. Yeah. They aren't the people that we would find at our health club or would find, you know, like we we wouldn't necessarily shop at the same stores or live in the same areas, but we both love Jesus. And that's going to be good enough for us to be committed to figuring out how to communicate with each other and how to take care of each other. And I think that's the key part, right? Because like there's yeah. certain people, like I'm going to be honest with you, that I can't, I don't communicate with well, Yeah. right? But that doesn't mean I can't care for them. Yeah. It doesn't mean that I can't um, pick up the phone and say, hey, how are you doing today, Yeah. right? And I think that 
or just see them, right? Yeah. Like when we're at church. Yeah, just, that's a great point. Yeah. I mean, it isn't always about that level of of personal contact. It's also about just seeing, like physically seeing them, saying hi, acknowledging who they are, listening to their story. And that might be all it is. Um, because you know, humans have the capacity for only so many points of connection. Yeah. But it but it's about being willing to see past the ways that we sort of signal our differences and how we carry ourselves, how we dress, what we drive, all those things, um, to see the person that like, oh, they're family. Hmm. They're on my team. Yeah. And that means that when they win, I win. When they lose, I lose. And so I'm going to rejoice with them and I'm going to mourn with them. And I might not get why I'm rejoicing or mourning because I, I don't get those things. I don't live that way. But I, man, I love Jesus and they love Jesus. So we're on the same team. Yeah. And that's what family, um, I think that's what biblical family looks like. And I like. think what it does is it, like you're saying, it opens it opens a channel for you to be able to feel empathy for that person. Yeah. Right? Like by saying, I have a common, we have a common love. Yep. And because of that, because we we see eye to eye on that, yep. and we love that person, we know that person, I can, I will make the effort to put myself in your shoes yep. and and try to hear and try to feel what you feel yep. and understand you at a, on a different level. Yeah. Yeah. And... Frankly, that's you know, that's what we expect our kids to do with each other. Yeah, and I that's think, what you expect other Packer fans to do with you. <laughs> yeah, they man, they have a hard road to climb. I'm I'm the difficult one. Extra grace required with Sean in the room. If you're a Packer fan, uh, so that's our conversation. Uh, we will again. We'll link the article in case you want to check it out. As always, we very much would love to hear your thoughts and your feedback on this discussion. Uh, Corey and I can talk to each other all day, but the point of this uh, is to invite you into it. And we really mean that. So find us at Bread and Cup Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, mostly Instagram. You can always uh, check out our website. It's breadandcuppodcast.com and drop us a line. Give us your feedback. Thanks for joining to join the conversation, like and subscribe, then find us on Instagram at Bread and Cup Podcast. You can also find us at our website and other social platforms linked in the show notes.